from SETI Alpha 5. It's the IGN DigiGuys. And now, please welcome two men who don't like to lose, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Bob, who's the hipster that sent in a SETI Alpha 5 reference? Eric Altieri, with Altieri Motives. Awesome. I that was love, a cute pun. That's my favorite movie of all time. I've seen that movie more than I've seen any other movie, ever. You've seen that movie more than you've seen your mother? Um, not quite. You've seen that movie more than you've seen your mother in the last five years? I've seen Star Trek 2 probably... I don't know, 20 times? Jeez, really? times? You know, I saw Star Trek The Motion Picture 12 times in the theater in like the first two months of its release. Oh, no, 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 no. I followed Star Trek 2 from the National Theater all yeah. the way down to when it eventually went to the uh, 99-cent theater, the I, Crest. See, I, but I did Star that Trek too. 2 played at the Crest for a while. I followed, I followed Star Trek Motion Picture from the National to the Topanga Twin to... Uh, when it eventually played the Criterion and some dive somewhere for 99 cents. Oh, I saw Star when we Trek. Were, when we were three of the only four people in the theater. No, I remember seeing Star Trek, the motion picture, at the Criterion Theater on, on yeah, the uh, Third Street Promenade. Told you. When it, it was, was still big, before it was a multiplex. Yes, it was, yes. A hu- it was one huge theater. Too bad it still isn't. Very low. It was, it was, like, a huge, it was like a huge long rectangle. Yeah. And it was, was 99, great theater. 99 cents. And it was at the uh, Third Street Promenade. It has since been turned into a fancy schmancy theater. Yeah, it's not. And that I remember fancy. it was me, my mother, and about six hundred Mexicans. <laughs> That's <laughs> who saw Star wow. Trek the Motion oh. Picture at the Criterion that, wow. that at that particular show. Okay. I also remember seeing <laughs> Superman at the Criterion. Really. And Superman being the only film I've ever seen where the at the end of the opening credits there was an ovation. No kidding. Well, with the music yeah. and the effects, Are you kidding? Unbelievable. Wait, speaking of unbelievable, yes, we have we have listener mail today. By the way, we have listener mail. We're uh, we're also going to talk about uh, long awaited Blu Ray, one of the greatest films ever made. Oh also, my gosh, Wade, if not the greatest. Wade is going to is going to uh, uh, put his life on the line right here during the show. That's true. We're uh, this is going to be half Digigods and half Fear Factor today. And the reason that is, you worked on Fear Factor, so you're, I did not, you're bring, well, well I, you're a little bit. You're bringing some experience from the show to. Uh, Force me to eat like pigtails and and snot rags or now, something. Now Wade, snot rags. Now Wade would not try my last ice cream because no. it had bacon in it. Yeah, it was Nutella bacon. Freaking bacon and ice cream. Very good, by the way. You did, why, why don't you Why don't you put gizzards in ice cream? Like be- just boil up some chicken gizzards and mix it in with a with a nice uh, you know like Rocky Road. That'll be ooh yum. You know, uh, I'll have you know that I almost made a, an ice cream that I saw online yeah. that is made with Roquefort cheese. And, liv- and liver? Roquefort and liver? No. Okay. Uh, anyway, so Wade will be trying two of my ice creams. Yeah. They're Liv- good. Liver and eggplant ice One's cream. One's actually very good. The other I'm a little lukewarm on. Okay. But uh, before we do that. Brussels sprout flavored ice cream. I, I love Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts and ketchup. You know what's very ice good? ice cream. Is um, car- like kind of lightly caramelized Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. That's shrimp, uh, shrimp ice cream. It's it's yummy. It's sweeping the nation. It's sweeping the nation. It is. It's a trend. You are going to be blown away uh, by sure my ice cream. Okay. But Wade. Yeah. By the way. Yes. Um, can we talk about Citizen Kane? Yeah, I think we can. Now uh, we are. You know, it, it, there's a little confusion going around here because um, Citizen Kane. Mark, turn your phone off. 
What are you doing? Hello. Oh, see, this is this is the this is the joy that we have on this show. Mark has never taken a phone call on the show before. He is taking a phone call. I can't believe he's doing this. Mark is taking a phone call. While Mark is uh, taking his phone call, I'm going to keep this rolling just so that we can uh, show how completely unpolished and unprofessional we are. Uh, Citizen Kane, 70th anniversary uh, on both DVD and Blu-ray. We have the uh, Blu-ray here because there really is not enough to substantially differentiate it on DVD from the previous special edition a few years ago. Uh, The 70th anniversary comes in a lovely slipcover. Has a great little booklet in it, and another little uh, a little sleeve that has a bunch of uh, you know collectible cards. It's a lovely, lovely set, and uh, there are three discs in the um, in the digipack. The discs include the uh, 1080p brilliant, beautiful Blu-ray of uh, Citizen Kane itself, along with two DVDs for the battle over Citizen Kane, which won an Oscar, or actually was nominated for an Oscar in 1995. Uh, best documentary, and then the uh, Emmy-winning 1999 film RKO 281. Now, both of those are highly acclaimed. Those are the extras. And um, Mark is now back from his phone call. Was it a good phone call? Uh, it was. Wait, here's the thing. Uh, yeah. It was It was an online. I'm trying to set up a... I, I date online. An, yeah. I like Match.com. Right. That's what I do. Yeah. Because, you know, I want to uh, settle down. Yeah, you're a whore. I'm a male whore. Yeah. And uh, that was one of the uh, women who I had uh, contacted. And, I see. Um, I'm going to call her once we're done. Oh. To set up a date. Wow. Which will then uh, uh, die in flames. If, if, I'm just saying if, two years from now, we're doing this podcast. God forbid we're still doing it two years from now. And then we said that two years ago. If two years from now we're doing this podcast and you also have to take a break, but not to answer a phone, but to actually go change diapers, everyone will know it began here, now, today, this show, in this moment. Wait, I, I'm, I'm basically... I'm just saying. I... I, I as I'll tell my therapist tomorrow. And, and, I, and by that, by the matter, I mean I don't mean a baby. I mean you have to change your own diapers. Got it. Because uh, an incontinence will have set in, and there's a whole long. I've got a few decades for that. Yes. But as I will tell my therapist tomorrow, I yes. I basically feel like at this point I'm just like I'm just fighting against like like God's plan for me. Yeah. And even attempting to settle down. God's plan for me, I don't know. I think God's plan for me might be, not that I believe in God, but it might be to retire to some French cottage somewhere and just run out the clock in and France or something. And then you will something. find some amazing young French woman who will... But uh, then I'll be 70 years old and it won't matter. Yeah, you know what? It'll matter. Hey, my father was in his 70s when I was born. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, that's right. He after, was, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. After, after you know, five marriages, finally got it right. Um... Says you. Says I. Hey, I'm here. I'm evidence. So anyway, the uh, this these are the issues with this uh, release of Citizen Kane on Blu-ray. And Mark and I were looking at this uh, before the show and uh, spotlighting the fact that uh, it's so aggravating. The problems, they, they did not go back and remaster this. They did not go back and correct the problems that were present on the previous DVD. Namely, the fact that it is it is overly detailed in places. Now, in most parts of the film, that's not a huge problem. Um, we've talked about the issue of Warner Brothers extracting too much detail from the, some of their classic films in the past, uh, like with Robin Hood, where you can actually see the chain mail that is just painted sweaters and the paper mache trees are actually paper mache. You know, you can actually see that in The Adventures of Robin Hood. And there are similar problems in Citizen Kane, namely that opening scene where, uh, or one of the early scenes where all the reporters are in the newsroom and everything is backlit and it's just the, you know, the dim bulbs and the projector light and all of that, and they're trying to decide on what we, how do we get the story on Kane. Everyone's faces are supposed to be buried in the shadows there. And you can see clearly 
the, the, the features of the, the main guy who's talking. You can see his eyes, his nose. His, I mean, it's not chalked out the way that it was supposed to. Tolland and, uh, and Wells wanted everything to be buried in the shadows because symbolically that's what Kane's life was all about and that's where all of those details of Kane's life are. I mean, the whole thing is metaphorical to, to the nth degree. And that scene is still a problem. Too much detail. It is. I mean, I, I think for some of that, it, be, it winds up being to the film's benefit because you can see, you know, texture and fabric and skin, and that always looks nice. And I think some of those deep focus shots that Greg Toland had yeah, pulled no, off some, so sometimes well, it's great, but... but I think there are certain thematic elements that because the lighting, great lighting always serves character and theme. Yeah. Doesn't seem like it, but great lighting always serves yep. character and theme. And here in Citizen Kane, no more than in Citizen Kane. Yeah. So when you extract some of that, when, when you decide to put too much detail in where whatever Wells and Tolan were going for yep. in that scene is now lost because bad. Warner Brothers figures, oh, we should, sh- we should show their faces. Yeah, well, it's People clearly... don't want to see... Uh, it, that stuff isn't isn't good, so that's a problem. And uh, you know, even though uh, the two extras here, the two DVD extras, are highly acclaimed, our good friend Ray Green, who is a bit of a Kane uh, aficionado himself, is not a fan of either of them. And he wanted to make sure that we got that across. He thinks the Battle Over Citizen Kane is a lame documentary, and RK two eighty one is no better. Now that being said, you didn't know this, but Ray has been working on a rather extensive and elaborate and very personal uh, audio documentary on Orson Welles for the uh, PBS Off Ramp series or the NPR Off Ramp series. Really? Yes. Which uh, originates at KPCC, where I also do Film Weeks. So um, uh, we're going to be sure and plug that as soon as it's available in podcast form. I know a little bit about it, and Ray, you know, look. Ray knows as much, if not more, about Wells than uh, most scholars out there. He is a serious Wells aficionado, and uh, I am really looking forward to it. I think that's something that they may have wanted to wait for to put on this uh, this set. But anyway, so so Ray has this set. Ray does not have this. We were actually, it's funny we were talking about this the other day. He and I, and um, uh, after you know I, I went and spoke in his class at uh, Loyola, and uh, we were talking afterwards about Magnificent Ambersons, which. Here's a weird thing. We don't have, but it's available in, along with this version of Citizen Kane in some sets. You can get it on Amazon together, Citizen Kane and the Magnificent Ambersons, on, D- on DVD, not on Blu-ray, because they haven't restored it. And Ray knows a little bit about that as well. Ambersons has never been available on DVD before, ever. It's historic. I don't know why they didn't even promote it with Citizen Kane. We don't have it. Now, I've, I've harassed Warner Brothers to see why we don't have it, why they're not you know, putting it out there, because it's not available individually. It's only available as an extra in some sets of Citizen Kane if you actually look for it. It's like they're burying it all over again. They're crapping all over that movie again. What's the deal? Like it, he, it Wells has been dead for decades, and they're still crapping all over the Magnificent Ambersons. It is true. It's I mean, unbelievable. I, I, I don't know why that never became a standalone release. It, it's, I mean, it's a, I mean it's, it's a compromised, flawed film. But it's still a masterpiece. But, it's still, but it, that's the weird part is yeah. that it's still a great movie. And when you watch it, you know, I've seen Magnificent Ambersons projected. I saw it in New York projected. And I did when, too. when you watch it, you see where the holes are. You see it feels a little incomplete. But yeah. even though it feels incomplete, it's still a great movie. No, it's, it's, it's just – but I don't know why they can't get behind it. People have wanted that for so long, and Warner Brothers just – they won't do it. I don't get it. By the way, a whole bunch of special features on that, including uh, Peter Bogdanovich um, audio commentary. Peter Bogdanovich sort of... Uh... Very, very, yes, yes. Okay, now this is a... Um... Oh, and, and, of course, the Roger Ebert commentary. They're both still there. Okay, wait. Here's the thing. Yeah. Now, you know how I've been, I've been complaining about the Mystery Science Theater 3000 uh, 
yes. box sets. And, yes. and, and I love that show more than anybody. And I am, yep. I am just up to my goddamn ears in these. And I want it to stop. I can't take I it know. anymore. This one yep. is great. If you want to know what Mystery Science Theater 3000 is, you've got to get Manos Hands of Fate Special Edition. Really? Now, Manos Hands of Fate is kind of a legendary film. It's, it's a bit like The Room. Remember The Room? Oh, my gosh, The Room, yeah, which was advertised on the billboard at uh, La Brea and Sunset for like 18 years. And it's and considered the worst film. classic now, yeah. Because right. it's, yeah. Luke, Matt, Th- Luke Thompson put that on his 10 best films of the decade list. He's out God of, bless Luke. He's out of his mind. Um, Manos Hands of Fate is sort of the room of, like, of that era. Yeah. Where it's considered the worst film ever made. Yeah. And Mystery Science went to town on it. And it's now available in a uh, Mystery Science Theater Manos Hands of Fate special edition. It's two discs. Uh, disc one includes uh, Manos Hands of Fate, a couple bonus features, and also disc two includes the actual movie which is uh, horrifyingly bad. But Manos Hands of Fate is one of the most famous episodes of Mystery Science. So if you're tired of the box sets, as yes. I am, uh, you should go ahead and get Manos Hands of Fate Special Edition because it's great. Swankable. Speaking of great, Wade, yeah, there is a uh, documentary that came out uh, earlier this year called Conan O'Brien Can't Stop, and I just... Well, that's the, uh, the tour he did uh, between... Being fired from the Tonight Show and raking in forty million, and then uh, starting up again with TBS and having some time to burn, so he went on a tour, right? He did, and yeah. um, Rodman Flender is a uh, terrific director and a great documentary director, and he knocked it out of the park big time in Conan O'Brien Can't Stop. Now, what uh, what he did is he went on tour with Conan O'Brien, and he sort of caught O'Brien in that sort of gray area between where he was and what he's going to become next. Right. And there's still a lot of that bitterness there. But there are such great choices made in this documentary where the documentary doesn't really traffic in bitterness for the sake of bitterness. It really is a chronicle of this man at this time in his life. And it doesn't try to amp the drama or tune down the drama or tune up the comedy, whatever. It's just literally what Conan O'Brien was experiencing, feeling, and thinking at that moment, for good or bad, funny or not funny, this is him on this tour. That's pretty great. And uh, it just, he did a great job on this documentary. It's just a terrific film. I uh, highly recommend it. The Blu ray looks great. There's a bunch of special features, including a do- uh, commentary with uh, Robin Flender and Conan O'Brien and Andy Richter and Mike Sweeney. And also Conan's uh, assistant is there, personal assistant is there. And it's just great stuff. You know, there's a lot of great music in it. Uh, I think Conan O'Brien is hilarious generally. And you get a sense of how brilliant he is, how quick he is, oh, and how he, incisive you know, he is. I was always amazed whenever, you know, there was an interesting thing on, on uh, when he was doing, when he, before he went to The Tonight Show, when he was still doing um, uh, Later, or Late Show, or whatever it was called. I it was, was a producer on Later, Wade. Yeah, I know. But it was, what was it? It was, it was Later with Conan O'Brien or The Late Show, whatever it was. The, 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 after, the other show. Late Night? Late Night, thank you. I think it's late something. And um, the um, uh, there was a moment with the writer's strike. If you remember when they did the writer's strike, when Jay Leno had to write all his own jokes and he was going to get in trouble because he's a Writers Guild member and he shouldn't have been writing his own jokes and yada, yada. And uh, Conan, because he was supporting the writers, obviously, instead of doing a monologue, he started, like, performing every night. Like, he went and get the banjo and the and the... In the guitar, and he'd do a little musical bit, and it was amazing. He'd sing, 
And you thought, why haven't we seen this side of him before? I mean, there are a lot of facets to him as a performer that I just find fascinating. So I, I guess from what you're saying, it all comes out in that movie. It really does. It's a terrific film, one of the best documentaries of 2011. Uh, I thought it was hilarious, yeah. and it was moving, and I liked it a lot. And uh, I cannot recommend it highly enough, especially if you love late-night television and the Leno, Letterman, Conan Wars. Just uh, before we go on to whatever the hell you're holding in your Oh, this is going to scare you. Uh, I'm a little... Um, Worried about Conan now, yeah. Because the George Lopez show has been canceled. Yeah. I, I want this. Okay. I want this too. Rock on. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, anyway, the Conan O'Brien show, uh, uh, Lopez uh, tonight has been canceled. Yeah. Conan is slipping a little bit. I don't know what's going to happen with that guy. I'm a little bit worried. You know what? He could have a film career. I'll tell you. What? Good. Good. Oh, he can. As an actor? Sure. Absolutely. I don't know what he's going to do because he can't really act. Can he really act? Sure. What, I'll bet you could. I have the project for him, and he would knock it out of the park. I'm, I'm not kidding you. I'll tell you after the show. It, it, it's, you, you would go, really? I'll, I'll pull, I, honestly, it'll blow your mind. Anyway. It would be amazing. No one. He'll win an Oscar. Anyway, Conan O'Brien can't stop. Highly recommended on Blu-ray. Uh, if you go to MilkDocumentary.com, read a little bit, and then decide if you want to see this movie, because uh, it's, it's a little bit upsetting. Mark, do you like milk? I like milk. In fact, Wade, I used heavy cream and milk to make the okay. two ice creams that I'm about to bring out for you okay. to try. Well, you go get those ice creams because we're going to talk about uh, dairy products right now. Uh, if you are like, if you are, let's put it this way, this is not going to get any traction in France. Um, one thing I learned very quickly in France is you cannot live without dairy products. Uh, everything has eggs, cream, cheese, milk, yogurt, on and on and on. The French live for dairy. If, it, if it, it's between dairy and wine, that's France. But truly dairy. It, there's nothing without dairy in it. You just, if, if you tell the French, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't eat dairy, they'll just stare at you as if you're, you're on like a hunger strike. Because who doesn't eat dairy, really? Like in France especially. Well, Got the Facts on Milk is a documentary about why milk and dairy products are um, not necessarily good for you. Uh, and uh, it's, wait, so little, it's, of, so little of what I eat is actually good for me that yeah, I don't really I, think that I'm taking dairy. Off I, the list. I give them credit for this is produced and directed by a filmmaker named Shira Lane. I give them credit for actually doing it in a very entertaining way. It is, uh, you know, this is a really fun film to watch, and uh, it 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 makes a lot of really good points. But at the end, I just thought, well, okay, fine, I'll I, whatever. I'm still going to eat dairy. I, I can't live without it. Like you know, cheese. Come on. I can't live without cheese. I can't live without eggs and waffles. And, you know, okay, you, shut up. you gotta have it. No one cares. Here's but anyway, thing. it is actually really good. And I like it better than most of those uh, kind of fear mongering food documentaries, uh, of which there are quite a lot. Like uh, Food Inc. is just horrifying and makes you wanna just starve yourself lest you eat anything. And then, of course, there's, you know, uh, Morgan Spurlock's just a horrible junk food binge movie, which I find to be terribly self serving and Okay, pointless. wait, I'm actually. But anyway, I'm... got the facts on milk. Okay, no, I'm watch actually, it at your own risk. Whatever. Okay, I'm actually making the spoonful for you to make sure that all the goodness of yeah, the yeah, s'mores yeah. ice cream. This has marshmallow fluff. Oh, jeez. Graham crackers. Yeah. Uh, chocolate and cocoa gonna, it, powder. Okay, fine. Just, just, eat, just, just, give just me shut up and eat it. Okay. This is un, this is uh, uh, un, this is unrehearsed non-comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hang on, he's uh, he's not uh, he's smiling. Which either means he's trying to come up with a really witty uh, 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 teardown of my ice cream, or he likes it. Honest, uh, now, first of all, first impressions of my s'mores ice cream. I like the graham cracker. 
Oh, so you got the graham cracker. Yeah, I got a little graham graham cracker in there. That's nice. It's a little little graham cracker. It's like it's very chocolatey. Okay, I like chocolate with a little graham cracker aftertaste. Now, did you now did you get any marshmallow in there? Um, not really. Okay, fine. No, but I. Well, you know what? You deserve marshmallow. I was going to give you marshmallow. It's not bad. Now hang on. Now talk about the next one, and then uh, we have the uh, mint one. Got a couple of uh, a lot of a lot of IMAX stuff. I love this ice cream, so screw you. Okay, fine. A lot of IMAX stuff is coming out on Blu-ray, as well it should, because IMAX on DVD kind of defeats the purpose. Uh, IMAX being higher resolution, you are not going to get IMAX completely out of Blu-ray, but if you have a big, 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 beautiful television, like a a really swangy, sharp, or Sony, or a uh, Vizio, or uh, whatever it is we might have, then you're going to get a, you, you, you could get a nice quasi-IMAX image out of it. Uh, a couple of great IMAX films here, Tropical Rainforest and Ring of Fire, which, of course, is all about volcanoes. And, uh, you know, it's all about the photography, and it's all about the basically the nature photography in the case of Tropical Rainforest, a lot of cool, weird animals and, uh, and various things. Um, all about, uh, you know, the endangered rainforests uh, all around the world, in Asia and South and Central America and so forth. And uh, the best thing here is it's, it's narrated by Jeffrey Holder, who has that um, impeccable voice. And uh, it just brings the whole thing uh, together. It's, a, it's actually really lovely. And Ring of Fire is narrated by Robert Foxworth, uh, who's not quite as memorable a voice. But this is also fun and very informative. And, uh, you know, as far as nature documentaries go, uh, you know, uh, I'd say a, uh, a notch above. I wait. No one cares. Now, and then, here's, uh, what? well, let me the last uh, one here. Vidal Sassoon, the movie. Uh, you know, Vidal Sassoon is a guy we love to joke about, but this is actually a really good movie, believe it or not. And I was all ready to make fun of this thing. And uh, but you know what? A lot of great uh, fashion documentaries have come out in recent years, uh, and this is one of them. This is terrific. Uh, if you if you know nothing about Vidal Sassoon, you will probably find this immensely rewarding because he's you know more than just kind of a fashion icon, a, a hairstyling icon. He's uh, he's a guy who really contributed immensely to a particular style, look, and sensibility during a crucial period. He's not as influential as he used to be, but um, really a, a great uh, a great documentary to go along with all of those others in recent years. Uh, September issue, among others, uh, that kind of have uh, given a higher profile to the fashion industry, and uh, I think it's really cool. It's nice to have documentaries that are a little fluffy for a change. And uh, before I indulge in uh, Mark's other horrible ice cream, uh, The Battle for Marja, uh, Blu-ray and DVD combo, and uh, this is tremendous. This is from the Athena line, uh, which is a, a, the educational line of Acorn. And uh, honestly, just watch it on Blu-ray. Forget about the DVD. This thing is absolutely brutal. It is uh, all about the uh, about a year and a half ago in February, uh, the, the, the great big Afghani offensive, the military offensive in Afghanistan that was supposed to... Uh, really kind of drill the, the, the Taliban out of Marja, which was their, their last southern stronghold, or at least one of their big southern strongholds. And um, it, this is incredible because it really attaches itself to all of the troops, that, you know, the individuals. You really get a sense of the guys who are part of this. And, uh, you know, Bravo Company and these other guys who are just, you know, they are the ones who are going to be doing the fighting. It's not like this one massive fighting machine. You actually get a sense of the individuals involved. And it's tremendous. This is, this is what... Um, what embedding is really supposed to all be about. It's only 84 minutes long, but it feels like a day. This thing just, it's, it's really intense and uh, almost like a documentary version in many ways of um, The Hurt Locker. I mean, you just get that same sense of intensity. It's really, really good. 
and a lot of educational stuff here, as there often is with Athena titles. But, uh, man, the photography is amazing. So highly, highly, highly recommended. All right, wait, no one cares. Now, here's yeah. here's the thing with the chocolate uh, uh, mint. Sure. This is mint ice cream. Yeah. With the little, I, 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 I grenache the chocolate and yeah. uh, mix it in there. I'm not a huge fan of this. Okay. It came out okay. Gosh. Um, I, I, I mean, it's not bad. You won't, like, throw up or anything, but it's okay. Because what, if this, I do, what if I do throw up? Then uh, we will not stop the recording. We okay. will have that throw up on the show. Cool. And uh, so this was actually me over the yeah. weekend. Yeah. I, pay, I, took, I had two bushels of mint. There's some, there's some like chocolatey schmutzy stuff there. Thank you. Yeah. Well, this, is, this is going in the garbage. Okay. Um, I had two bushels of mint. Yeah. And I plucked every mint so leaf. So actual bushels of fresh mint. Yes. And I plucked every. Would you like go to Ojai and frolic through the mint fields? Well, I just went to Ralph's. Okay. Local supermarket. Close enough. And I seeped the. Uh, mint in the cream, all that sort of stuff. It really was a big pain in the neck considering uh, how good it turned out because okay. it's not my favorite. But Fine. you can be honest. Fine. Okay. Gee, that's a big chunk. Whatever. Just eat it. Oh, he, he, he jogs like eight, eight, eight oh miles a day. Oh, my God. Is that bad? <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> you want to say it's cold? It's like... That's not, well, that's not like... That's not like, you know... Store mint. That's like mint leaf that's mint. That's mint leaf mint. It because like like, oh like my goodness. Store mint tastes like it's called. <laughs> is, is, is it that bad? Is it just is it bad? Or, be, be honest. Is it bad or is it just different? Because mint in mint ice cream is rarely no, actual mint. The actual fl- uh, that no. The it usually, usually tastes like somebody you know dropped a stick of gum in it or something. Wow, that's that's interesting. I actually like that. That's good. That's good, yeah. Because normally that kind of mint I'm accustomed to in, you know, like Moroccan tea. That's right. It, that's right. It's, it's that big, same mint taste. That's right. Yeah, which I love, by the way. I love Moroccan mint tea. So this is a little, And I don't like tea of any kind. I don't like hot drink of any kind. I like, I like dark chocolate, like sludgy dark chocolate, hot dark chocolate, sludgy European-style stuff. And like Maribel, if you ever get Maribel. Oh, go get Maribel. And little blue tins from New York, awesome. Whatever. And then uh, this is, and, and yeah, mint tea. That's good. Okay, like so it. so it's not bad. No, no, no. That's good. That's good. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Would you like some more Wade? No. Okay. Fine. After the show. After the show. After the show. A few I'm, more docs I'm, to knock out real quickly. I'm going to return. Return the the mint, and I'll, I'll knock out the to last the refrigerated docs. home. Uh, from first round features, uh, dear Uncle Adolf, the Germans and their Führer. Uh, this is from the. This is from one of the filmmakers who previously, uh, uh, Michael Klofi, who previously did the Goebbels Experiment, another excellent, excellent film. And um, this is great. This is absolutely great. And I'll tell you, it's great. I know this from from a family standpoint. Uh, if I haven't mentioned this before, my uh, my mother was German, and uh, many of my family members still live in Germany. Even though my mother and her immediate family uh, lived here, but my mother was a was a World War II uh, refugee, and um, <coughs> wow, that's heavy mint. And, of course, uh, <clears throat> I grew up hearing a lot of stories about life under Hitler. And, uh, uh, you know, some of the more incredible stories is just how everyone actually fell for this. And there are a lot of reasons why, economic reasons and sociocultural reasons and socioeconomic reasons. And uh, this, is, uh, this is an excellent, very, very thorough uh, documentary that goes into – that basically unearths a lot of private letters – that were uh, written to Adolf Hitler, at like hundred, about a hundred thousand some letters, that have uh, long since been stuffed in a Russian archive. And uh, unve- unveiling these, you get a sense of how people felt very personally on an, on an individual basis. And it's fascinating. It is uh, 
It's terrifying, but it's also very illuminating because a lot of it has nothing to do necessarily even with German culture. It has all to do with uh, the cult of personality that can evolve if situations and circumstances in a certain country get to a particular point. You could have this in any country in the world. That's the cautionary tale here it is that uh, Hitler was a phenomenon uh, unique to Germany, but a phenomenon that could not necessarily be, uh, that, that could be replicated anywhere in the globe and has been in many cases. So it, it is a, uh, an excellent cautionary documentary and uh, also highly, highly recommended. Uh, <clears throat> man, that mint is just chewing me up. That's, really? That's some strong mint, yeah. I mean, in a good way. You know, Wait, I'm not it's like, strong, because when I, here's the thing, when mm, I yeah. made it, <clears throat> I feel hair growing like in my throat like on the inside. Minty hair? Or like, maybe hairy mint. Really, hair coming it, out of my yeah. Because when I made it, I thought it didn't taste minty enough. It ta- no, I, it's good. I, I thought it tasted like like cream with mm, like a good. wisp of mint, as yeah. opposed to like mint ice cream. No, it's good. Really? Yeah, it's good. Wow, I'm very happy. Well done. Uh, <clears throat> wow, Bill Cunningham, New York, uh, is another short documentary, but also a very good documentary by Richard Press. This is from Zeitgeist, and uh, Bill Cunningham. Well, you know, it, we talked a little bit earlier about. Um, the September issue, which is, uh, you know, kind of connects to this in a few interesting little ways, as do other fashion docs. But this isn't a fashion doc. This is about Bill Cunningham, who is a photographer and uh, an amazing photographer. Now, primarily a, a fashion photographer, granted. But, um, you know, this is about a guy who, uh, who you know, it's, who took photography to uh, an extraordinary level and uh, also an incredibly iconic figure. Uh, a very, very good doc. Uh, very well done. Very intriguing. And I knew nothing about Bill Cunningham prior to this, but it's it's really uh, it's really really very well done, uh, nicely directed by Richard Press all the way through. Highly recommended. And then uh, Carrie Fisher, geez, Mark, you got chocolate all over the schmutz. It's all over the Carrie Fisher uh, documentary here. Well, how did I do that? I don't know. I, I, I guess I did because I, uh, I you. pulled it over. Anyway, uh, Carrie Fisher, wishful drinking. This is uh, from HBO Films, and uh, this is more of a performance thing. But Carrie Fisher, you know, I don't know why she looked weird. She doesn't look like Princess Leia anymore. I, I don't get Although it, she lost 80 pounds on Slim Fast. Yes, I guess. Well, anyway, uh, this is kind of a one-woman show deal. Uh, it's a little bit self-indulgent, but very entertaining. If you're, if you're sort of into Carrie Fisher, uh, you know, doing her very public couch trip, you'll, you'll dig it. She's a great raconteur, and she certainly has had a very uh, solid career as a screenwriter and rewriter and uh, ghostwriter, so... That's there. And then, Mark, help me understand what the hell this thing is. Yeah, you know, Joseph uh, Gordon-Levitt, um, he has this new kind of, a, a, you know, a, a polymedia, pan-media art piece. I don't know if that's the way to, best way to put it. Called uh, Hit Record uh, Recollection or Recollection or Recollection. And it's a funky little thing. It's it's because it also includes a sixty-four page book of, uh, of of art and you know drawings and writings and whatnot. Um, it's sort of oversized, but uh, it also includes a DVD and a CD. And the CD contains uh, seventeen songs, original, and the DVD contains thirty-six short films. These are all done. Either, either written or uh, directed, recorded. Sounds like a very confusing mixed media monstrosity that, that I can't really it categorize. It is uh, created with like hundreds of collaborators. Like, do I put this on my bookshelf, on my DVD shelf, on my CD shelf, or I would, do I find a little little special shelf for this? What do I do with this? I would uh, I would put this on the bookshelf because it's shaped like a book. Okay. And 
I don't know that I like all the songs or even I like all the videos, but there is a sort of like artistic cooperative thing going on, which I kind of like uh, respected as an interesting little, I don't know, side project for him. I guess he's done enough why, films where he can do something like this. Why are all these things called cooperatives? Why doesn't somebody do an uncooperative? Like get 10 people together to work on a project and absolutely not cooperate at all. Because then you would never actually create a project that is releasable because nobody was cooperating. Oh, it'd be like Transformers. Now, I think that Levitt has some sort of designs on taking maybe some of these short films and blowing yeah. them out into features. Whether he ever does that, who knows. But uh, it's a funky little uh, thing he's got going on. I, I, I kind of like it. You know why? Here's the thing. Uh, ultimately, nobody will buy this, this hit, hit record yep. recollection thing. Yep. But I like the fact that at least in this day and age, somebody is out there trying something different. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. True. And I respect that. All right. We got some uh, listener mail to blow through. Then we're going to do some music and then uh, new movies and, uh, and try to get some TV in there, too. Ben Thompson writes this and says, Two of my favorite westerns are High Noon and Duck, You Sucker, but I haven't heard anything about them coming to blue. Do you know if they'll be making the jump to high def anytime soon? Also been waiting for Scorsese's King of Comedy. Any news on that underlooked gem? Um... Yeah, no idea. I have absolutely no idea. I, I'd be very surprised if Duck You Sucker wound up on Blu-ray anytime soon. High Noon, I think we'll see relatively soon, actually. I tried to noodle around a little on that. I think High Noon should be coming to Blu-ray, if not um, by the first quarter of next year, certainly, hopefully, by this time next year. So within the next 12 months, we should see High Noon. King of Comedy, um, you know what? Th- that'll be very interesting to see. It uh, That could go either way. That's a, a, a catalog title that was not treated terribly well on uh, on DVD. Uh, I'm hoping it'll. a lot of those catalog titles are really just being farted out every week now, and some of them, even without like uh, proper promotion, like Executive Decision, not a great film, not a bad film, but, you know, they're just spitting that thing out on Blu-ray, and they're not... Like, it almost got past our radar. I, e- I emailed the publicists uh, today, and I said, you know, why didn't we get anything on Executive Decision? Oh, well, it's not really being promoted. Well, you know, I you, really you, hope. Stuart Baird, man. I mean, he's a great editor. He's a legendary editor. It's the only film he's directed. You know, the only film in which Steven Seagal ever he dies. He directed Star Trek Nemesis. Baird did. That's right. Yes, he did. So which, uh, which pretty much uh, sunk the franchise. Yeah. Well, which, anyway. by the way, Nemesis, yeah. it's, uh, it, it's a bit of a heartbreaker of a film because it does ultimately fail in kind of a spectacular way. But I thought it was really well shot. With a, it's a big budget looking movie. I kind of like Nemesis. Jason it sucked. Jason Lair writes us and says, "What the hell's happened to the vampire genre? We have vampires as superheroes, Blade, Underworld, Buffy, vampires as teeny bopper melodrama, Twilight, Vampire Diaries, Vampires Assistant, Vampires as Omega Men, I Am Legend, Daybreakers, and of course True Blood, which has to be the most expensive looking trashy soap opera ever sold. Well, I'm all for putting a new spin on old archetypes. Current franchises discard not only the amenities but also the mythology of traditional vampire lore to a degree that I wonder why the producers even think." they need the vampire angle at all. In my day, Salem's Lot was a mediocre vampire flick, but it's like a vampire classic compared to the offerings today. Even Coppola's take on Dracula was all right. In fact, it's probably better than I remember it. I couldn't get past Keanu Reeves in, hey, I look look like I'm in over my head, part 45. This must be what it looks like if the Bad News Bears ever got into the major leagues. So how did Nosferatu become Pattinson? And if people are already talking about the saturation point for superhero movies, how are we not sick to death of this landfill of vampire stuff? Right on, Jason. Well, love the rant. Well, there's a couple answers to that. First of all, vampires. Are, here's the thing: vampires became popular because vampirism is essentially a metaphor for yes. puberty. Yes, it is, and that's why 
you get all these uh, CW shows, right? Because yeah. the, the, the CW caters to uh, mainly young girls. Yes. And that's why, that's why you get those sorts of shows. Now, Precisely. Vampire, and then you get Twilight, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Now, vampires have been slowly edging their way out of pop culture and been replaced by zombies. Yeah. Which is a good. metaphor for really nothing particularly interesting, at least as far as the teenagers are concerned. Yeah. So now you get the zombies. So I think the vampires are starting to kind of uh, go away. Well. I'm just uh, saying. Longtime listener Michael Jordahl writes us regarding Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which we hopefully will get to. Uh, we have on Blu-ray here. Hopefully we'll get to it today, if not next week. He says, I watch it with my wife. It is hilarious. Well, we'll be the judge of that later on. And uh, then we got uh, – and listen, uh, email us at gods at com if you have – just want to say something or want to ask us a question or want to take issue with us. Seriously. By the way, what? how come nobody put their question into an audio file and emailed yeah, it to we're us? We're doing that. That. Is, that is not good. We, we had need, two last week. None this week. None this week. We need audio files. Come on, folks. It's, like, it's 2011. You, Your computer will take you five seconds. It's easier than, than typing. Just, just talk. Share your voice with us. Um, anyway, we got uh, Rob H. writes us and takes issue with us, which we need. You know, you got to keep us honest, people, because we have a gigantic pile of stuff we got to get through every week. We don't even get through all of it. And we, uh, especially with TV, we don't have the time to necessarily sometimes delve into this stuff to the degree that fans might like. So we miss stuff. And uh, he, uh, Rob H., longtime fan, sorry to see stupid for movies go, but he takes issue with uh, our view of uh, community. He says, Community's a parody show. Movies, TV shows, and other parts of pop culture are parodied in brilliant fashion, but you didn't mention that premise. Highlights last season were a clip show where the cast's fond memories all flash back to adventures that the audience had never actually seen. Every clip was entirely new content. It's hilarious stuff. Uh, It's the best network comedy on the air right now, and it's right up your alley with the clever riffs on movies. Uh, And you know what? We miss that. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that sometimes is a casualty of working too fast. So that's why we need the fans, as I always say. You guys, keep us honest. If we miss something, if we we shortchange something, a movie, a television show that you think we we should treat better, by all means, tell us. We'll revisit it. So uh, I'm going to give Community a second shot. I'm going to I'm going to watch it in more more in depth. Look at you. To, you know, well, yeah. Why not? If the fans say so, if they take the time to listen to us, we should take the time to listen to them. And then, lastly, uh, Eric Altieri, who wrote our opening today, wrote us and said uh, an article came back uh, came out uh, this past week about how Steven Spielberg regrets altering ET and will be releasing the film in its original form on Blu-ray. Now, if we'd only get George Lucas to drink this Kool-Aid. But I started thinking, we've passed the 100-year mark on a number of films already. The Great Train Robbery, A Trip to the Moon, etc. These films are now in the public domain and can be released by anyone. Do you think we'll start seeing an influx of releases of films just entering the public domain? And do you think the libraries like Kino or Criterion will take advantage of this? Could we see a Criterion release of Star Wars in 60 years? Um, You know what? Here's my uh, quick thumbnail on that, and I emailed him back uh, a more in-depth answer, but... Uh, right now, we're seeing films entering the public domain that have been sort of long in the public domain because nobody ever bothered renewing their copyrights originally. So there are, you know, the question is always, when you start getting to stuff like Bringing Up Baby, uh, is the MPAA going to lobby uh, Congress to revise the law so that those films do not enter the public domain? And I think they will, but we're going to have to wait 10, 15, 20 years to, to really see the, uh, the, you know, the gold mine of Hollywood movies. Uh, heavily lobbied for so that their, ex- their copyrights do not expire. Also, you know, I wonder whether, like, let's say someday Star Wars goes into the public domain. Mm, will never happen. It will never happen. Now we should explain why it will never happen. 
Well, the other thing is you have to have access to prints. That's the thing. You have to have access to materials. And, you know, those are all owned by the copyright holders. So nobody, unless you can go out and find someone who actually owns a third-party print, you, you won't have materials. You won't have access to the elements, as they say, to actually do it. What you could do, you, know, you could certainly use characters from Star Wars. You know, let's say theoretically, you could write a novel about Star Wars characters and not actually have to pay a licensing fee. But as for releasing the movie itself, I don't think that'll ever happen. Not for those movies. I am right there with you, Wade Major. All right. Uh, Mark, uh, uh, let's blow, blow through some music here real quickly and uh, try to get some other stuff that's uh, meaningful. Counting Crows, August and Everything After, uh, live at Town Hall. You know, I'm not a huge fan of the Counting Crows, but I do love me a Blu-ray of a concert. And uh, this is particularly good. This is from Eagle Vision, and uh, this was filmed at Town Hall in New York City. And uh, you know what? Uh, even if you don't care for the music that much, and, and I, I'm okay with it, but uh, it's great. It's a terrific Blu-ray, first-rate uh, transfer, and has a bonus feature here, In-Depth with Adam Duritz and Charlie Gillingham. Didn't watch it, but I assume for fans it's just going to be fabulous. Although Adam Duritz has since become a country singer, so he's Kinda. gone to the uh, dark side. Yeah, well. Moving on. Uh, and, and, and Foreigner Live, another great Blu-ray. Uh, you know, this is, I, I love Foreigner. I come from the Foreigner era, so watching Hot-Blooded and Blu-ray uh, live, that's pretty great. You want to know what love is, Wade. I do. I know. And, although that's not one of my favorite ones. You know, like Double Vision, Hot-Blooded, Jukebox Hero, that's more yeah, my Yeah, Hot-Blooded, check and see. Oh, yeah. you got a fear of 103. Abs- absolutely, absolutely. So this was, uh, this is pretty great. Even though this is, you know, like three decades after all those songs were, were hits, uh, it's really, it's a lot of fun. So uh, I, you know, I felt like I was there. Great concert Blu-rays. You felt like you were there, Wade. I felt like I was there. Unbelievable. B.B. Uh, King Live is on uh, Blu-ray and DVD, but it's also on Blu-ray. This is uh, a perfectly fine uh, compilation of B.B. Uh, King um, songs. Stuff like um, Every Day I Have the Blues and How Many More Years and Downhearted. Downhearted is always uh, kind of a heartbreaker. Uh, Thrill is Gone, of course. And uh, there's some special guests, including, for some reason, Terrence Howard and uh, Richie Sambor, who's like, eh, okay, I guess, Richie Sambor. <laughs> yes, you're not B.B. King. But, um, you know, who doesn't BB love B.B. King? And the fact is, B.B. King is still around, man. That guy's so, still kicking. So the man. God love him. Uh, there's a great, great PBS uh, DVD here. I wish this was on Blu-ray, but it's only on DVD and CD. Uh, this is Marvin Hamlish presents The 70s, The Way We Were. Uh, I never liked Marvin Hamlisch. I'm telling you that right oh, now. Oh, but you do love, you. but you love his score for the Soderbergh film, The Insider. I did. I love that or the, score. Uh, the, uh, the, the informant. The informant. Yeah, you the know informant. what? I remember sitting it's in the informant, score. which I, I I liked that film a lot, yeah. and thinking, I really don't like Marvin Hamlisch. I never liked Marvin Hamlisch, but I love this score. Yeah, it's true. I, I like Marvin Hamlisch a lot, and uh, this is just a tribute to a certain kind of style of period of vibe of music from the 1970s, and it's great. He got uh, a whole bunch of his old friends from the era to come back and uh, just do a great kind of tribute 70s uh, concert. It was a little potpourri. You got Three Dog Night and B.J. Thomas, Marilyn McCoo Billy Davis Jr., uh, Ray Stevens, uh, Guy and Rolna for crying out loud. Guy and Rolna, dude. Guy and Rolna? You have no idea who they are, do you? I do not. Uh, Peaches and Herb It's great Gloria Gaynor Debbie Boone You just can't get better than this And there's even uh, Great special features A bunch of performances Not even included In the original television broadcast On PBS And uh, this is just great Absolutely great uh, Doesn't get any better this, and this was filmed In Missouri of all places And you can get it on CD as well Wait, you know What was not filmed in Missouri? What? 
Robin Gibb in concert with the Danish National Concert Orchestra. <laughs> that was not filmed in... Uh, that's so weird. Robin Gibb with the Danish Orchestra. I, it's just like that's from Mars. It's such a strange, obscure thing. But, yeah. well, there it is. Now, uh, the Bee Gees, of course, are uh, unfortunately uh, permanently over since one of the members died. Yeah. Uh, last couple of years. But still, Robin does go on stage and he plays Bee Gees songs. Here he plays... Uh, this is from summer 2009. He plays... Um, Night Fever, and, uh, you know, You Win Again, Staying Alive. He also does Islands in the Stream, which is nice. You Should Be Dancing, How Deep Is Your Love. Sweet. Love it's, it. It was an outdoor concert. He also played, you know, the thing is that the Bee Gees were, the Bee Gees were a band before Saturday Night Fever, you know. Oh, yeah. They were, you, you jive talking? You kidding me? They, they were big. terrific songs. Yeah. You know, New York, New York Mining Disaster 1941, one of their yeah. classics. That's also on here. And, uh, you know, it's interesting stuff. You know, God, God love these guys. They're still kicking. Ride, Rise, Roar is a David Byrne concert film. We were just talking about David Byrne before the show. Like, where have all the musical geniuses go? Where are the David Byrnes and the princes of today? His, David, Byrne's, David Byrne's uh, solo stuff has become really avant-garde, but yeah. really interesting. It's really super, cool stuff. Super cool. Uh, well, this is, uh, this is a really interesting concert film, and uh, Byrne is as good as ever. I mean, clearly, you know, he's, uh, he's mature now, but... Um, this is pretty great. He's been, you know, he's collaborated uh, with Brian Eno in recent years, and uh, there's a there's a weird kind of cool performance art documentary vibe to this as well. There's a lot more than songs going on here, and uh, you know, it's just something you got to see. You just got to check it out. It's a, it's David Byrne is a complete and total genius, and it's just the music and the performance and uh, the weirdness. It's like a concert, a documentary in one. It's it's totally unique. Got to love it. Uh, I am a huge fan of Deep Purple. Love Deep Purple. Really? And, oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah. Gotta love Deep Purple. That's like that's my that's my funky seventies childhood. Uh, anyway, this is uh, this is a combination. This is called Deep Purple Phoenix Rising, and um, this is this includes uh, a thirty minute concert. Deep Purple rises over Japan from nineteen seventy five. This has never ever been shown before. This is in a, a really quite nicely transferred to Blu ray, and then there's an eighty minute music documentary after that called Getting Tighter, which it, you know Deep Purple has not really necessarily been the subject of any documentaries. Uh, that most people have seen, and uh, this is really, really interesting. Um, this is uh, there's no way to even get into all the drama here, but it's it's fascinating. Now, if you're not a Deep Purple fan, you're not going to necessarily care. Um, but the music, uh, you know, the 30 minute concert is is reason enough, I'd think, to pick this up. And then you also get a thing here, uh, some I think live uh, rare live tracks, um, which were all remastered in 2011. So uh, check it out. Dizzy Gillespie and Redondo. Dizzy, those, I don't know what's wrong with those cheeks, but those cheeks blow some beautiful tunes. Uh, Dizzy Gillespie, of course, amazing trumpeter, famous for cheeks that blow up like uh, giant balloons. And uh, this is a, an amazing performance from 1986 that was shot by Gary Keyes in Redondo Beach. So, it, you know, it's on, uh, it's on DVD, not on Blu-ray, because there's no point, really. The, uh, the resolution doesn't uh, merit it. But, um, you know, it's not long. It's an hour long, but Dizzy is just fantastic, and uh, you'll, you'll love it. You'll absolutely love it. So, uh, highly recommended there. And then also, if you're really into the trumpet stuff, 
Uh, Miles Davis, live at Montra. Highlights from 1973 to 1991. This is the first of two Montra concert uh, DVDs that we got today. And uh, Miles Davis at Montra is just, that's a, a history of legendary performances. And they blow through the decades here really quickly with 10 tracks, starting with uh, 1973 to 1984 to 1985. A lot of stuff from uh, 85 and 86. And uh, you wind up with some stuff in, uh, even in the 90s. Uh, some well, of the he, tracks. Died, he died in 91. Yeah, which it goes right up to 91. And uh, so JoJo, uh, Salia, The Pan Piper, Pacific Express, Jean-Pierre, Heavy Metal Prelude is unreal. It's just totally awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just great seeing him through the years, you know, just working that audience. It's absolutely terrific. And then also, uh, Paul Rogers and Friends live at Montreux. This is from 1994. I'm not a huge fan of Paul Rogers, but um, you get great uh, appearances from other people. The mm, Friends part is... Uh, is pretty cool. And uh, you get, like, you know, Brian May. I'm always a fan of Brian May's. Gosh, that guy just rocks it on the guitar. And, uh, you know, Jason Bonham, Luther Allison, a lot of others. Uh, you know, if those names mean nothing to you, don't get it. But, uh, it, you know, Mantra's a great place. And uh, just, you know, I got to go there, man. I want to go there live one of these years. Well, I gotta go. you go there live. I mean, you're always, when, wherever you go, you're there live. I used live. to live nearby. I lived, you know, for, well, for just a very, very short stretch in, in Switzerland, not too far from there. Should have gone. Never went. You anyway. City dropper. City dropper, yeah, I was in Lausanne. Anyway. Uh, what else we got? Oh, we have uh, two more uh, rock and roll Blu-rays. Actually, we have a um, heavy metal Blu-ray Megadeth. Megadeth, that one life, that one night, life in Buenos Aires. Um, Megadeth, uh, never my favorite. They're just a little too loud for me. Uh, You know, the whole Dave Mustaine thing. I think Dave Mustaine's a smart guy, even though he sort of, you know, like was all into black magic when he was a teenager. And I think he was, he wound up being kind of born again into Christianity, Dave Mm -hmm. Mustaine. He's kind of a weird guy. But uh, anyway... um, this is a rather loud concert from Buenos Aires, including um, Megadeth hits such as Symphony of Destruction, Peace Cells, uh, Tornado of Souls, Trust, um, In My Darkest Hour. Anyway, uh, if you like Megadeth, go for it. The sound is great. The, uh, the video is okay. I mean, it's, kind of, it's, a bit, it's, it's not an older concert, but uh, it's 2000. Is it actually, when is this concert? 2005. It's a little bit before the total high-def era. Uh, a little bit better on the video on the video side is Cheryl Crow, Miles from Memphis. This is live at the Pantages Theater right here in Los Angeles. Uh, this was uh, Cheryl promoting 100 Miles from Memphis, which is not my favorite Cheryl Crow album. But still, the uh, Blu-ray has a bunch of Cheryl Crow classics, like If It Makes You Happy and uh, Strong Enough, My Favorite Mistake. Uh, good stuff. I like Cheryl Crow. I like her. She did Lance Armstrong. That says something good about her. Uh, you know, Primal Scream is renowned for their uh, Screamadelica album, and uh, Screamadelica Live is an attempt to bring this multimedia monstrosity to Blu-ray. I'm not a huge fan, but I know a lot of people are, so I'm not going to pass judgment on it. Uh, it it's it, you know, it is what it is. If if you just go, oh, Screamadelica Live on Blu-ray, awesome, just go to town. Uh, yes, speak is uh, this uh, really kind of a, a cool two disc set. Um, 
you know, it again, this is a little hard to sort of uh, sum up, but if you're a fan of Yes, you will just go bananas for this. Uh, I love a lot of Yes tunes. This is uh, like, a, like a documentary concert uh, consortium thing, and uh, this is all recorded during the 35th anniversary European tour. So, you, you know, if you're a Yes nut like this one guy that I went to high school with who wore, I kid you not, I kid you freaking not, every single day, every four, all four years of high school, he wore a Yes t-shirt. That, was that's, never that's with, not true. It's, it is true. It's impossible. Every it is, single day. Every single day. What, four years of cold, high school. What, what, what if it was cold out? He wore a Yes t-shirt with like a sweater on top. It was a Yes t-shirt every single day. His name was Steve something. Steve. Steve, Steve oh, man. Austin, a man no, barely alive? Steve. He wore a Yes t-shirt every freaking day. Actually, it was three years of high school because I was in a three-year high school. But four sounds dramatic, right? <laughs> See, already the... Uh, <laughs> The, that, that, that story okay, is losing maybe, some of his luster. Maybe, maybe he wore a T-shirt like, like, like I don't know, 60 times exactly. in three years. It, it, that, it, but you that, get the idea. Yes, I do. You get the idea. Uh, Brand New Day is an interesting little oh. weird, funky, I know, right? It's a weird little funky Australian musical uh, that's it's about an aboriginal guy who's in search of his father, and it's a whole weird musical odyssey. The songs are interesting. The story is so-so. The acting is not so great. It's a real funky style. It kind of wants to be sort of an aboriginal version of, uh, well, the original stage production. Uh, Jeffrey Rush is, is great in it. Everybody else is uh, uneven. Um, if you are not Australian, if you don't sort of have a, a, an appreciation for the original stage production, this probably will mean nothing to you. What I find interesting, and it looks decent, it's on Blu-ray, it looks decent, the original uh, production on stage and the movie were called Brand New D- Day, spelled B-R-A-N space N-U space D-A-E. And because that obviously confused the daylights out of people, they have now released this as just Brand New Day, spelled, you know, like... B-R-A-N-D-N-E-W-D-A-Y, which kind of changes it a little bit. Um, the, uh, the weird quote that they throw on the cover here I find really disturbing. Michael Snyder of Sirius XM Radio says, If you love Mamma Mia, this brand new day is for you. I don't know a lot of people that admit to loving Mamma Mia, and I'm not sure that this has anything to do with it. It really doesn't. But it's, it's, it's okay for the, for the low budget that they made it for, but it's really limited in its scope. You're not giving me this, are you? Are you kidding me? Breakfast at you Tiffany's. Know how, you know how I love that movie. I li- I, I'm going to go home and watch this right now. You know what the problem with this Blu-ray? Over and over again. You know what the problem with this Blu-ray is? What? Too much uh, DNR. Too much digital noise reduction. Okay. I'm saying, I, I think that, because it, it says, first time on Blu-ray, meticulously restored, which means that they scrubbed this thing clean yeah. with, with DNR software. Yeah. So now it, it, it lost some and of that. Uh, that's too bad. Because yeah. it's a grainy movie. Yeah, it's not, a, not it's, anymore. It's a really not. Oh man, gosh darn it, Paramount, stop it! But the colors are good, you know. The flesh tones are good. Black levels are totally fine. So this little thing they're bragging about with the sticker meticulously restored, which means that they basically. And you know what? Look, we, you know, we were talking earlier about Warner Brothers uh, yeah. about, about Fox and how they sometimes treat their Blu-rays. It's the same thing with Patton. Remember Patton? Oh yeah, the yeah. Patton Blu-ray. Has been is is like is glossy sheen smooth perfect, which is exactly how the film wasn't shot. And Breakfast at Tiffany's is Wait. the same way. Now uh, it's got a lot of great extras that Blu-ray audio commentary with the producer. Uh, it's got uh, uh, a thing on Henry Mancini who did the music. Uh, the one interesting uh, extra that I liked was this thing called Mister Unioshi, an Asian perspective, because as you know. 
That's so controversial. The the Mickey Rooney uh, portrayal of Mickey uh, Rooney was hired to portray an Asian man with the teeth and the whole stereotype. And you know, there's even a moment in Dragon the Bruce Lee story uh, where you see Jason Scott Lee as Bruce Lee sitting there with his you know eventual wife played by Lauren Holly, and they're sitting there very uncomfortably in a movie theater watching that scene. Uh, Miss Agarightry, I protest, you know, <laughs> and they're really uncomfortable. And we all laughed at that when we first saw the movie, but it puts it in a different perspective. It's like that's the one one thing in the movie that just makes it just awkward today. Bizarre. And you know, and I, I don't know what I guess Blake Edwards was thinking it was it's satirical? Is he making a point? No. I, I don't he, you yeah. don't really find out from look, this look this is the guy who made the party with Peter Sellers playing an Indian man, which we all forgive only because all of our Indian friends and I have a lot of them think that movie is hilarious. But that movie was completely satirical from beginning to end. Nothing yes. there was nothing but a goof. Yes. I don't consider Breakfast at Tiffany's like a goof. I know. I think it's Blake Edwards' sensibilities just going a little bit awry. Well, they they hit it head on, and you got to yeah. give him credit for that in this uh, Blu-ray. Yeah. Anyway, good stuff. Except the <laughs> um, the the video is not that great. Julie Taymor is a freak. I just want to say that for the record. Uh, she's a freak, but she's a talented freak. But, man, this woman, when she does Shakespeare, she goes way the freak overboard. Uh, she previously uh, tackled Shakespeare in uh, what, I could, well, what is widely considered to be uh, the worst of Shakespeare's plays, Titus Andronicus, in the film Titus. Which is, it's a horrible play. It's, it's like Shakespeare's first play. It's the, you know, he's just getting his feet wet. He's figuring it out. And it's not good. It never should have been made into a movie. It should never even be produced as a play. It should just be kind of, you know, an anecdote. But uh, she just drilled that thing all to hell with weirdness and fr- her freaky imagery and whatnot. And now she does the same thing to The Tempest. Except The Tempest is, like, sacred ground for me. I love Paul Mazursky's Tempest. I am not fond of this Tempest. I'm not even fond, frankly of the, the Peter Greenaway thing, uh, Prospero's Books, which is another weird, freaky take on Tempest. Just oh, do it love straight, Greenaway. people. You're out of your mind. I love Helen Mirren, uh, but, you know, changing the, uh, the gender of the lead character does not, uh, does not a great movie make. That being said, there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. Alfred Molina is very good, but it's just, you know, Russell Brand doesn't belong in here. Uh, it, it's you know Felicity Jones doesn't belong in here. It's just too weird and eccentric and you know, uh, uneven. The problem with Tamor at this point, uh, and I think Lion King is, is amazing, and I'm very surprised it opened very strongly. I know the 3D version. The problem with Tamor is that she has the same problem at this point as Tim Burton has, which is that they are drawn to the visual possibilities of of, of material. Yes, not the storytelling of the characters. Absolutely and true. Then, and, and you are looking at somebody who saw. The opening night yes. of Spider-Man on Broadway. Oh, I know. I remember you telling me all about that nightmare. And uh, so I'm, I'm saying that uh, Tamar has really needs to stop already and tell me a story. I agree, but I don't think she knows how. Uh, and then we also have a terrific film that I absolutely adore, and I am thrilled that this is out on uh, Blu-ray and DVD and digital copy all together. That is Bridesmaids. Uh, this film is absolutely just spectacularly hilarious. And if you watched Melissa McCarthy pick up her uh, Emmy Award recently, she is a riot in this movie, which is saying a lot because it's uh, you know already chock full of very, very talented and enormously funny actresses uh, like Kristen Wiig, who co-wrote it, and of course Maya Rudolph, who, you know, both of them SNL alum. Um, a lot of people thought, oh, it's like, a, it's like a female version of The Hangover. Not even. It's a movie that could only have been written by women, but 
gosh, it's funny. He's um, almost more bit funny than funny overall. The sketch bits are really hilarious. But you know what? This movie deserves all the success that it's had, and I can't say enough about it. Uh, it's got heaps of extras, not even worth going into. Deleted scenes and extended scenes and... You know, uh, the thing called drunk Arama, which is kind of funny. I mean, it's, it's, you know, more stuff than it really, really needs to have because the movie is just so good and so funny. So grab a bunch of friends, sit down, watch it, enjoy it. And if you want to write us, write us at godsdigigods.com. Tell us what for. Mark, what else do we have to say? Oh, are we done? We're done. Oh, uh, goodbye. <laughs>